When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gavriel Hakoen, and I am so excited to be here with all of you. Joining me today, as with every day, is my most illustrious co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter, and I am defined by my gender, which is girl, which is defined by God. And if I heard you saying those words in any other context but this podcast, I would be asking you if you had been implanted with a mind control chip. No, I haven't been implanted with a mind control chip. I haven't gotten my COVID vaccine yet. Well, I'm getting mine tomorrow. So good for you. By the time you're hearing this, I will have been COVID vaccinated. That's right. They're going to shoot it into my butt with a laser. I'm very happy for you. Yeah. Um, just remember, it's only the first dose. You have to get two doses to get 95%. Um, what's it called? Immunity. Yes. Thank you. See, you're forgetting regular words. You can tell how far along she is in her pregnancy because her, like, she cannot think of words. Um, I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. I just, I am just always a little bit sleep deprived. 
which yeah. is not going to get any better for about another six to eight months. It um, makes you very funny to talk to, though. It's I, I'll tell you that. Um, no, because people have been asking me, oh, how are you getting a COVID vaccine? How are you getting a COVID vaccine? Because I'm not a healthcare worker. I'm not a frontline worker. I'm not an old person. I'm not, you, you know, I'm not one of the people who who gets priority. I sit in my house and make podcasts um, and make music. Um, I am participating in a scientific study to see if there is a booster that makes it work better for old people. So I am getting the vaccine, but the thing that there that I might get a placebo of is is uh, this vaccine booster. So they're gonna give me that. Um, I am doing my part to to hopefully help save some lives, you know. And there is the added bonus that I do get a COVID vaccine, but that's not the main reason for doing it. The main reason for doing it is that you know maybe. I'm a young, healthy guy, and they need young, healthy people to 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 make the study work properly. Yeah, to test that the the additional booster thing. Yeah. So, and hopefully, if it works, you know, if they could get that from ninety five percent immunity up to like ninety nine percent immunity, especially for old people, because they're worried that old people's immune systems, you know, they're not as strong. They lose the antibodies after a while, and hopefully, this will make the antibodies go for longer and make it so that we can really, you know, move on with the world. Not so many people will have to die from it. Uh, and that's really just, just something that we're all looking forward to getting back with our lives. Um, yeah, that's, that's super great. I would have loved to be in, um, in vaccine trials. I absolutely would have been. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I the asked type of person you. to volunteer. I, they, I can't, uh, because they don't consider yeah. it ethical, to experiment on pregnant people so that's um, true yeah you know i, I like i asked them i was like specifically like do you want pregnant people for a vaccine trial and they're like no we can't give this to pregnant people because otherwise i would have recommended you for it but okay well the yeah. good news is that um there are a lot of healthcare workers um who are coincidentally pregnant so those people a lot of those people are choosing to go ahead and get the vaccine it's it's recommended by the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, um, that they go ahead and get it because it's perceived that the risk of if they had COVID is greater than the risk of uh, potentially what could go wrong with if they got the vaccine. Yeah. Um, so we are going to have a pretty large sample size to figure out um, how how this works in pregnancy because I've gotten um, I got my flu shot, I got my Tdap, and I got my pneumonia shot all during pregnancy, and I thought that was super cool. Those are all things that we need to get, you know, stomp out this virus, get it, you know, get it behind us so that we can all go back to our lives and we can, you know, begin the healing process because that's really difficult. Uh, everything that everybody's been through. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, we are here to talk about Sadie's life in the independent fundamental Baptist cult. Sort of. Today, we are going to take a look at what happens when Christian fundamentalism crosses with online influencer culture, viral marketing, that sort of thing, and how people are trying to, I guess, be self-aggrandizing, but in a God-honoring way. In a God-honoring <laughs> way. Do it in a way that honors God, whatever you do. So today, um, if that didn't tip you off, today we are going to be talking about Girl Defined, uh, which is another non-IFB, but certainly IFB-adjacent topic girl defined is a texas-based 
I don't know. They call it a ministry, but we're going to get into that a it's little a more. It's a YouTube channel. They're influencers. They're like, we're, we're influencers, but they call it a ministry. They call it a ministry so that they can grift money, but we are going to get into that. Um, they they seek to influence young women and girls, and the, the main focus of a lot of what they do is pushing young women, young girls into traditional gender roles, and like, how does your gender interact with god and guys it's weird like it involves celebrity culture sex and nazis like honest to god nazis not alt-right not neo-nazis but straight up like actual deutschland deutschland uber alice nazis but before we get into that, I just want to say to our listeners that the Leaving Eden podcast is an independent podcast, and we work hard to bring you not just one, but two episodes every week. And so if you enjoy our content, please consider subscribing to our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes available for your enjoyment. And if you can't swing that financially, which we totally understand, a lot of people lost their jobs, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, we totally understand that these are tight times for many of us. Uh, and there are other ways that you can show support for us. You can uh, share this podcast with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your loved ones. Uh, leave us a good iTunes review. Actually, that brings me to something that I want to say because just this morning, uh, Sadie, what you were, what were you browsing? You're browsing the Fundy Snark subreddit. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm I'm uh, on the Fundy Snark subreddit. I lurk there. I I don't post. I lurk there. I almost never comment or post. Um, but I'm also there's a there's a Facebook group by the same name, which is also really cool. Um, if you're going to be in both, you just have to realize they have um pretty specific rules. So pay attention to that. Yeah, a lot anyway, of crossover though. But there's a lot of crossover. Fundy Snark is. Uh, my go-to like hate reading subreddit it's super fun uh, and it is how i found out about the girl defined people they discuss like a, a, a wide range of fundamentalism topics uh, and that's the first place i encountered these people anyway what was it that you saw this morning that you sent to me and you're like was this you and i was like no that wasn't me so this morning i'm scrolling through there and there's a there's a person who was raised as a First Baptist Church of Hammond staff kid who went to Hiles Anderson around the same time as me. And they were um, they were talking about their experience and somebody else commented on the subreddit and said, hey, have you heard Leaving Eden? She sent this to me and she's like, was this you? So I sent it to Gavi and I was like, was this you on like an alt account? Because I don't know, you're good with technology and think you're smart with stuff like that. Right. So I sent this to you. To, I sent it to you, and I was like, "Was this an alt account? Like, did you do this?" <laughs> but no, like it was. It, it was, was. It was just organic. two listeners talking about us, and now we feel so special. We do feel special. Like people are people are sharing us with their friends. Anyway, uh, that makes us feel really, really, really good. Um, yeah, that was super cool of you guys, whoever you are. Thank you for. Thank you for spreading the good word about our podcast. We really appreciate that. That's something that you can do. That's free but is such a big help for us i think 90 percent of the podcasts that i listen to it's because i heard about them from somebody that i know anyway just know that we see you we appreciate it um and yeah we are trying to get a word out about the clear and present danger that the ifb and similar cults and ideologies pose to our world and our society as a whole so 
Every little thing that you do counts. Anyway, if you join this show and you want to uh, join the community that we're building, you can join our Facebook group where, you know, there's new posts every day. Uh, you know, we ask for input on future episodes. We share memes. We share questions. The group's called Eden Exodus. Go to Facebook and search for Eden Exodus. It should pop right up. Um, I did want to say, you just said that people should share our podcast with their family and friends and loved ones. Um, personally, I think people should share us with their enemies, too. Oh, really? So I mean, this we're is- not that bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is like, well, listen, next time you get in a Facebook fight. Just add a comment and say, by the way, you should go listen to Leaving Eden podcast. It's not going to teach you why the COVID vaccine doesn't have a microchip, but it'll at least be a nice distraction and you might learn something. (laughs) Yes. You should allow us to be the arrows in your quiver as you fight the culture war. Oh, (laughs) anyway, Sadie, through a set of circumstances that I don't necessarily want to get into, uh, it was suggested by somebody that I know that I take a personality test to see if I'm a narcissist. Oh, see, that's a little <laughs> bit surprising to me. And why is that? It just it seems weird to me that anybody who knows you would suggest that you would have to take a test to find out. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it's pretty obvious that you're very much a fan of yourself. Um, you know, your looks, your clothes, your voice. At the last episode, I'm pretty sure I remember you calling yourself luscious. So did you really need the test? Sadie, just because I have a healthy self-image doesn't mean that I am a narcissist. In fact, I think that the world would be a better place if everybody was as psyched to look in the mirror in the morning as I do. <laughs> you know, if everybody could appreciate their own talents and their own style and their own personal beauty as as I do. I mean, I'm I'm slightly kidding, but also <laughs> <laughs> no, like in the whole reality, they're like I was talking to somebody, um, and they said that they'd been studying psychology and that they took this test, which uh, it gives you a score from zero to forty, uh, zero being like super codependent, forty being the most narcissistic, and so I took it because I wanted to. So, would you like to share your score? Yeah. So um, we can compare. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, so I I, I sent you the test. Uh, we both took it. So I'll go for yeah. So I got an eighteen. So the results for just to let everyone know, the results are like a bell curve that are centered at like eight or like nine out of forty. So I'm more narcissistic than like seventy three percent of the people, which is interesting. But like, what? So what did you get? I'm I'm going to guess. Let me guess. I'm going to guess that you were around like 14. Actually, no. I got a 17. So I was just one point below you. Uh, but I do want to – okay. But I do want to discuss like one or two of the questions because I felt like some of them were really difficult. Yeah. See, that's part of the test too because where you have to choose like, you know – how you want to like which answer you want to identify because they're all very binary. Like the last question was, are you just like everybody else or are you extraordinary? And I wanted to answer both because like, I don't think I'm better than anybody else, but I definitely think that like, I'm pretty awesome. You know, I'm extraordinary, but like, so are you. And so is everybody else. Like I, you know, I I don't think I'm better than anybody, but I think that I'm awesome. See, I, yeah. See, I said that I do believe I'm extraordinary. 
I absolutely do not believe that I'm better than anyone else. No, like, like why would you? Like morally, I feel like I'm an average person. My value to society is average, the same as most people. I just think by definition, I've been through things that most people haven't. So in the areas of like the areas of bravery or the areas of fortitude, like that I think is extraordinary. Well, I think your cert- your story is certainly extraordinary. Yeah, that's my point. Like, I think some yeah. people would define extraordinary as like better than most people, but that wouldn't be how I would define it. Like, I could see you getting invited to a a dinner for extraordinary people, right? You know, it was like, ah, you you know, like you see on TV, like, uh, oh, this is a person who likes to extra- entertain extraordinary people. So, like, this is Sadie Carpenter. She was raised in a cult and she escaped from it. Oh, tell me about your story. I'm the guy who invented airplanes. Like, right. And I'm talking to. I was thinking I was talking to that guy who like ate an entire bicycle piece by piece. Oh. That guy is extraordinary. Yeah, like he's extraordinary. <laughs> but he's also like that's definitely like a Joe Schmo type thing to do, like eat an entire bicycle. So, I mean, he's he's definitely like a, 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 a very much like, like that's like a very Florida man type thing to do. <laughs> so, you, you know, you're like everybody else, but that is extraordinary. People surprise you. That's the thing. Like, I think most people have the capacity to be extraordinary in some way. Yeah. Um. It's like it's a it's a it, there's a talent, or you've got a, or you're just you know determined enough to eat a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I also had trouble with this one other question though. I um. So the the options were, I find it easy to manipulate people, or I don't like it when I find myself manipulating people. And the answer for me is is both. <laughs> Like I, I do, I do generally find it easy to manipulate others, and I'm also a, a really good liar. But I hate it when I do it. Like I hate, I hate myself when I do it. It's like weeks and weeks and weeks of guilt. Yeah. So I work really hard to come up with better options for myself and not use those things in real life. Like I only, I have those skills, but I, I really only use them if I feel like I'm up against somebody who really deserves it <laughs> because I generally, I don't like myself when I do those things. I don't feel like it's a, a just or an ethical thing to do. No. And like, like we said in the Duggars episode, you know, strict upbringings create good liars. So that's not really your fault anyway. Yeah. But it's my fault if I just go around like lying to everybody for my own benefit. Yeah. I mean, they, they gave us numbers in specific categories though, which is, so the categories where I had, Low to average scores were like authority, exploitativeness, entitlement, superiority. So that sort of thing. But I had extremely high scores, like full, like completely full marks in self-sufficiency, vanity, and exhibitionism. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because as a musician um, and somebody who loves performing, like you have to have a few narcissistic tendencies to thrive in that environment. It's just how you have to either be made or develop. Yeah. Um, I had a, a really high score in authority, but I, I feel like this test was also slightly skewed by my upbringing because I have authority issues um, because it, I don't know if you knew this, but I was raised in a cult. <sighs> Um, like one question was, I like to have authority. I've never heard you say that before. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I forget to mention it. it. (laughs) No, one question was like, I like to have authority over people or I don't mind following orders. 
And the truth is that I don't really like to have authority over people. I don't really care about being the person in charge or being able to boss other people around. Um, it doesn't, I don't really care. But I would never, ever allow myself to click the box for I don't mind following orders because I very much mind following orders. Um, <laughs> even if I think the person telling me what to do is right, I still can't stand being told what to do because it's like very mildly triggering every time. Yeah, see, I'm the same way, though. Like, I don't like being told what to do, but if you put me in charge of other people, I am immediately in over my head. I am. I think I'm capable at being in charge of others because it's something I did at a young age. Um, I started teaching Sunday school when I was 13, and I was in charge of, like, 15 to 20 fourth graders. Yikes. Yeah, which is literally an adult's job. Um, so I had to learn classroom management real quick. So I have the skills to lead a team or lead a room full of people. I just don't particularly like it. Like the only reasons I want to be in charge are so that, that somebody else isn't in charge of me and because I don't trust other people to get it done right. It's not because I like being in charge. Yeah. I mean, but here's something that I thought that was interesting from it was at the end, it tells you that over time, over the years of tests being administered, the average scores have increased. And I can't help but think that this has got to do with the age of social media, the age of influencers, the age where success is relative to how big a following you are able to build for yourself on the internet. And we sort of have to play into that because we have a podcast and we want to be successful. But that got me to thinking, what would you do? If you were a Christian fundamentalist and you're seeing this sort of influencer culture, obviously you can't put on a flower crown and go to Coachella and you can't post thirst traps from your beach holiday in Barcelona, but you want to be an influencer. So what are you going to do? So, I mean, if you're a, a real strict fundamentalist, then uh, you're going to see that as vanity. And just yeah. stay away from it completely. But if you're a more moderate, like, evangelical, you can't be defined by the cocktails you drink or, like, you can't – you're limiting yourself to certain types of clothing and you can't talk about movies you saw or, like, post yourself twerking on TikTok. So you've got to have something else to post about. You've got to have your own content niche to exploit. So what are you going to talk about? What's that niche going to be? I see – so there are a few Christian influencers who are – all about like anti-pornography or anti-abortion and like that's their thing mm. um modesty and modest fashion is another big one and that can be hit or miss there are some uh modest influencers that i think are freaking incredible um they look so cool all the time and then there's a lot that are not so great i think lately though we're seeing a trend towards people having their thing be traditional gender roles and traditional femininity so is this is sort of reactionary right it's like mm -hmm. we're in culture we're seeing uh transgender acceptance queer acceptance uh gender non-conforming identities being more normalized and they're just like no 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 well yes and no so you'd, you'd have to back up to understand this a little bit better. Some of this, you're right, is going to be about trans and non-binary issues. And like, yes, some of this is reactionary, um, especially in the last 20 years if we, as we've accepted trans people a little bit more. 
uh, started. We still to got work a ways to go, don't we? No kidding. But we've also, you know, learned terms like non-binary, um, and some of us are have learned to use they them pronouns. Um, some of it is reactionary to that, but this actually goes back way further than that. It's reactionary from the seventies and eighties when it became more common for women to have a career when it became acceptable for women to use birth control pills, when it became acceptable for women to like wear pants in formal and business situations, like women had positions of leadership, they could be ministers in some churches. Like that's what it's reactionary to. So yes, you absolutely will hear a lot of anti-trans rhetoric, but a lot of this it goes back way further than that. It goes back to cis women, like wives and mothers who didn't want to be stay-at-home moms. So this isn't even some like 1990s turfy nonsense. This is going like all the way back to pre-women's liberation movement in like the 1960s and 70s. Right. Wow. A lot of evangelicals have always had a problem with women's liberation. And I'm dead serious when I say that feminism is a dirty word within the IFB. Like, is it as dirty as, like, you hear them say liberal? Are they Or are they synonymous? No, they're not synonymous, but those two types of people are equally hated. Um, I'm sure you remember John R. Rice, the anti-desegregation evangelist who comes up now and then on this show. Oh, yeah, there was a dorm named after him at Hiles Anderson. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, so he wrote a book called Bobbed Hair, Bossy Wives, and Women Preachers. <laughs> I know um, I shouldn't be laughing, but like that's such a. We, I'm yeah. not going to detail the book because we are going to review it. You soon. guys know what's in it. Uh, yes, <laughs> but I want to review it. Yeah. Yes, but I like making you read things, like how I made you read Dating with a Purpose. Oh, you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so he detailed how feminism and women's liberation was ruining America. Um, it does contain several detailed diagrams of what exactly constitutes long hair on women a diagram and like ways that women can wear their hair so that they don't look like a feminist and have you ever seen like like warren jeff's like like flds hair like it's like a big poofy no. bun some of our listeners will know what i'm talking about um we'll get into the FLDS i have no eventually. idea what you're talking about um it's a it's a, a sect of mormonism that is like the ifb of the mormons Ooh. yeah um anyway <laughs> basically advises you to do your hair like that which is pretty funny this is why by the way i always insist on having bright colored hair because i honestly like having long hair but i always want to make sure that that i look like a feminist i don't want anybody mistaking me for not being a feminist yeah that's interesting because like in my time online as a jewish man I have the frequent misfortune of coming into the crosshairs of literal Nazis on Twitter, like people, you know, swastikas, their avatar. Uh, And one of their favorite sorts of pejorative terms to throw around when talking about, you know, liberals, feminists, queer people, basically anybody who isn't them is dyed hair. But I must say that your dye jobs always look top notch. Like this is not some sort of like Walmart box dye situation for you. I have a fantastic stylist. Um, if you're in the Portland area, message me on one of our podcast social medias. I'll give you her name. Um, she will read your horoscope while she does your hair. 
So it's like getting two cents for the price of one. <laughs> That's awesome. But no, she's I, okay. fantastic. Anyway, we've had enough uh, uh, nonsense. I want to get back to the measure at hand because I want to bring up this sort of term that that applies to these influencers. But I also want to bring up uh, – I think it was coined by neo-Nazis and like alt-right types on various internet forums, which is the term trad wife, which is sort of – like which is short for traditional wife. So it, it would be a woman who doesn't work outside the home – who has children. I think there's a meme about it where it's like liberated feminist versus trad wife. And it specifies light makeup, married with kids uh, in her twenties, homeschools. And then the liberal feminine, the liberated feminist meme is like a woman having low self-esteem, sexual promiscuity. And I mean, it's pretty degrading, but I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, I've seen a million like it if I haven't seen that one. Um, if I'm not mistaken, though, the term trad wife, like, doesn't that go around a lot in the not just the neo-Nazi and like alt-right world, but also in incel memes, incel forums as well? Well, the Venn diagram for those two things is is pretty close to a circle, but yeah. But like the, there's overlap between like the types of women that they're describing in those two closely related online worlds. Yeah. And like way, 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 way back in like uh, episode three, I think I went into an MRA forum, a men's rights activist forum, and these memes were all over the place. That being said, I have yet to see any of these people who think who, who like who we think of as as like trad wife influencers actually refer to themselves as a quote unquote trad wife use that terminology but that description absolutely applies to the sort of like gender roles gender values that that they're promoting so they're portraying themselves as idealized women and that ideal is someone who is is very chaste didn't have sex or probably even kiss until marriage uh they keep house their husband works they cook and clean and have lots and lots of babies they dress very modestly. They're probably handy with sewing or knitting or canning or something. Uh, likely homeschool their kids. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with living that sort of life if that's what you want for you and your family. Oh, of course. Not. I mean, I'm currently yeah. pregnant. I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent for at least the first six months uh, that my kid's here. I do the majority of the household work because my husband works right now and I don't, um, although he is a fantastic cook. Uh, I sew, embroider, and bake as hobbies, and I'm still wishing I had made more jelly last year because I made some really, really <laughs> good plum jelly last year uh, and canned it myself and all that stuff. Oh, good for you. So, I mean, yeah, there's no shame in, in that. If that's if it's a choice, if these are the, the hobbies or interests that you have or if that's what works best for your family – um, the issue is only if somebody's saying that this is the only way to be a woman or that all people who are born with two X chromosomes have to live their lives this way. Oh, uh, what I wanted to point out quickly, though, before we get into our main topic, is that there are a couple main categories of this type of person. So we have Lori Alexander and Debbie Pearl. We talked about Debbie Pearl in the Duggars episode who wrote the book To Train Up a Child. Um, mm. They really focus on like anti-feminism, child rearing topics. I know that Lori is strongly anti-vax as well, and that's a big part of her platform. The two of them are also very anti-queer people in general. Then you have like the Kellyanne Havens type. So Kellyanne lives in this old house. She's very much about the aesthetic. Like she sews her baby's clothes and she basically romanticizes living the way people did before electricity and the internet. 
Is is she the cottage core lady? Yeah, but oh, like okay. kind of cottage core. She she is like the little house on the prairie cosplay woman. Uh, and there's there's more like her. She's just the biggest one that I'm aware of. And then you have modern childways like Mrs. Midwest, who is more about hyper femininity, and a lot of her influencer content is about like. I don't know, folding napkins for dinner parties or like how to decorate your house. So like housewife type content. So there are there are subcategories within this category of like trad wife influencers. And then you have the people we're going to focus on today, which is Girl Defined, the quote unquote ministry who produce content that's meant to look more modern. They dress in a way that they think is more modern and hip. And they're trying to bring these traditional values into the modern world rather than wanting to bring the past back. So who who is Girl Defined and also like what is Girl Defined? Are you asking me to define Girl Defined? Well, yes. What defines girl? God defines girl. <laughs> <laughs> so Girl Defined is a media brand run by these two sisters, Kristen and Bethany. They call themselves a ministry. They call themselves a ministry. It's a media brand. It's an influencer personal brand. If you have, uh, make sure you ring that bell and subscribe at the end of your videos. You're not a ministry. You're, <laughs> you're a YouTube content creator. Yeah, the, the, don't the, get the too confused. It's basically a, a YouTube channel and a very active Instagram presence. Well, Jesus was the first influencer. Did you know that? <laughs> I was try- I was trying to make a joke, but I'm I don't have enough brain power. <laughs> I tried. Um, no, so they have they have YouTube and Instagram. They style themselves as a, as a ministry to younger women and girls. So we're we're talking like thirteen to twenty one is their target age range, and their tagline is about being a girl who is defined by God. So on the surface, it's God made me and he tells me who I am. God gives me worth and value as a human being because he loves me and I'm his creation. And that's a really common Christian belief. The the idea that humans have value because and only because they are created by and loved by God. And that's not necessarily, that's perfectly fine. That's like, that's just like, like a mainstream evangelical belief. That's, I mean, that. If you told me that, I would be like, oh, well, that's that's perfectly lovely. Um, but I feel like there's a subtext here where it's saying, God made me this way physically, and so he expects X, Y, Z things from me. Yeah, there absolutely is a subtext. Um, it says God defines femininity and masculinity, and every person is meant to fit into one of those two roles. And that's defined by the chromosomes and the physical body parts that you have. Mm. And that God expects me to live within the gender roles which he created me for. It seems to me that like the, the subtext of what they're saying is that God defines what he expects from me by biological sex, a.k.a., mm-hmm. you know, transgender identities are invalid. Men are men. Women are women. Um, that's, the, I, that's the first thing that popped into my head when you said that definition. Right. I wouldn't have necessarily assumed that just from the title Girl Defined, um, but it, it does turn out that these people are incredibly transphobic. Um, all they needed to do to find that out would be to read the Girl Defined blog, which makes it abundantly clear. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick sampling of the titles of some of the articles available on the blog. Okay? Yeah, go so, for so it. So here's, here's a few. 
uh, Why I'm Not Jumping Into the Gender Blender by Kristen. <sighs> Transgenderism. Is it really possible to change your gender? Transgenderism. Also, yeah, I know. I want to put the little like boss, sick in like the little, you know, the little, the little brackets. Like we know this is wrong. Uh, Transgenderism. I'll, like it's a, it's like it's a religion. It's a, like it's an philosophy. ism. It's not an ism. It's just a, <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Like we know that's not the correct no. term. I'm stupid and wrong. Uh, also I have succumbed to transgender. No, <laughs> like transgenderism. Like. Do you believe I know, in like communism or like feminism? Feminism, transgenderism, Judaism. I know. Uh, well, they, they that's that's a, like the the use of the term transgenderism jokes aside is a is a common um, thing that's that's used to delegitimize uh, trans people because we're not talking about an, an ism in in real life. We are talking about humans. Anyway. We're, we're talking about a state of being, right? Like like a, like yeah. a type of human. <laughs> Yeah, a type of person, right? Like you know, a type. You wouldn't like, say Muslimism. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, here's here's another banger: How to show love towards prostitutes, homosexuals, and Muslims by Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think? Like, How to show love to Muslims? You, I don't know. Prostitutes, homosexuals, and Muslims. That's the three that you think of together. Like they're right. Like, those are three groups of people. Yeah, I mean, all those people are all those groups of people. No matter how uh, 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 pejoratively you want to label them, you know, those are the three you group together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bake them a pie and say like, "Have a nice day." Uh, right. Anyway, um, <laughs> like, so tell them that. Tell them, oh, I like your shoes today. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are those in it, or is it like some? Uh, I'm gonna try to change you. I don't know. It's probably. I, I probably already know what's. I'm that. pretty sure the text of the article was was something like, "Don't hang out with that kind of people and pray for them." But I didn't read the whole thing because, gross. You know what? I feel like the most love. If you're the type of person to read that sort of article, the best way for you to show love to those people is to not interact with them at all. You know that's probably true. <laughs> okay, so let me let me throw a couple more at you really quick. Um. The Feminist Attack on God's Design for Womanhood. Feminism is laughing at our God. Why why safe sex isn't God's best for your relationship? And here's my one of my favorites. Self-esteem. Why Christian girls don't need it. <laughs> So for every one of the titles I read, there are about five more that I could have put in here that were similar. Ridiculous. I just had to pick a selection that would sound good they're on 100%, radio. They're a hundred percent serious with all of these things. That like they they believe this stuff. This so is, serious. Uh, I'm super yeah. serial. Yeah. Um, so that's an overview of the girl defined message. Uh, uh, transgenderism and and prostitutes, ism. homosexuals, and Muslims. Prostitutes. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, so um, in in preparation for this episode, in doing all of my research, I have watched a lot of their YouTube videos. Like, I have looked at their Instagram posts. I have listened to the podcast episode that where they like were pearl clutching about having Harry Styles in a dress. Oh, 
<laughs> just to sort of like get a handle on who they are and what they're promoting um, and who their target audience is and, uh, you know, and, and why it's important. I did not know that you listened to the Harry Styles episode. Um, I feel I kind of feel bad about the fact that you had to listen to it. Like, I didn't listen to it. I heard that it was awful. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it awful. I would just call it drivel. And like, I, so here's the sort of thing that I've kind of figured out for like, they're kind of formulaic. Um, so Girl Defined, they have a YouTube channel that has about 150,000 subscribers. Um, their official Instagram account has 50,000 subscribers and, and each of the sisters and the two sisters are Bethany Beal and Kristen Clark. And they each have about 25,000 uh, Instagram followers. So, yeah. yeah. So Beal and Clark are their married names. Before they were married, it was Bethany and Kristen Baird. The Baird family is a fairly large family. They have eight children. And they're what a lot of people would call fundy late. So they aren't as old-fashioned in appearance as like the Duggars or, or strict IFB people. They might even use a non-King James Bible version. Uh, they might approve of worship <sighs> music. Stars. Yeah. So in function, the, the thing is that their belief systems, as illustrated by the titles of the blog posts that they chose to write, the belief system is very similar. The framework is so similar to other fundamentalists. So what I'm saying is don't be fooled by the fact that these people wear jeans and like yeah. – maybe you know post themselves listening to a worship song like the the framework is very much the Music same with drums in it yeah <laughs> but basically their whole aesthetic is uh how should i put this um like aggressively white people <laughs> like <laughs> no like like it's the sort of thing where if you were gonna make fun of white people this is the type of aesthetic that you would want to make fun of like it's the most like ridiculous like it's as if when they were designing their aesthetic their like mood boards it was entirely wicker baskets and live laugh love throw pillows like their colors are all white and pastel you know it's going out of its way to not be edgy, threatening, spicy in any way whatsoever. So like you see them make a video and the background is going to be white on beige or beige on white. Like they're going to be wearing like light pink, robin's egg, blue, lilac, you know, very like 2012 hotel lobby oh, aesthetic. Man. Super tacky. So, yeah, it's the aesthetic from, like, the year we graduated high school, roughly, when there were, like, two Pantone colors of the year. That, that peri- It was that year that it was, like, that periwinkle blue and the the pale rose quartz. It's, like, the, the aesthetic from the year before rose gold iPhones came out. Like, it's yeah. that. Or it's, like, modern colors. Like, you know, like, the, the rust and the mustard yellow and the kind of sage green that are popular right now yeah but super washed out with like four filters on it to make it like super duper washed out that's what it looks like and the essay is like it's whatever it's the content that i really wanted to talk about i just wanted to make fun of them for having zero taste but their content is super formulaic like they will have a video or like a podcast episode and the title will be should christian girls do x and then they'll start the video and say things like, we keep getting asked if Christian girls should do X. 
and then they'll read a Bible verse about it, which usually tells them, no, Christian girls should not watch Game of Thrones, or Christian girls should not send nudes, or Christian girls should not snort cocaine off the toilet seat in the bus station bathroom. <laughs> you know, it's and then they'll tell you to pray on it. And then in the off chance that you are allowed to do whatever it is that they're talking about, they will hammer the point like that it must be done in a quote unquote God honoring way. And then rinse, repeat. They they make this video like 8,000 times. Like all of their videos are this. Yeah, it's the same video over and over. Over and over. It's a little Groundhog Day-ish. Oh, it's absolutely it's Groundhog Day. It's a little bit trippy. Yeah, it's it's mm, a little bit of a brain bender. <laughs> it's so funny. And not in a fun, psychedelic way. I watched so many of these videos. I swear I could like recite their – The spiel their because it's like yeah, the same thing, spiel. right? So yeah. yeah, it's like should Christian girls wear makeup and then they'll read some verses about it and then it's like only in a god honoring way. My favorite part of that episode of that video was like uh, they read the Bible verse where it's like you should not have braids in your hair and then they both have braids in their hair while they're reading. It. Well, then they have to go explain to you like why that Bible verse doesn't mean what it specifically says. Yeah. Even though they are like incredibly literal about Bible verses that were translated to talk about gay people, even though that's not what the original intent of the Bible verse I mean, was. It may have been. I mean, yeah. I was just going to say that wearing makeup in a God honoring way evidently just means wearing a lot of bronzer and putting foundation on your lips for some ridiculous reason. <laughs> I don't know what I I don't know anything about makeup, but I know that's wrong. Um, <laughs> it's just like I just yeah, feel like and they're like yeah, but there's some videos where they like delve into different topics. Like I think Bethany made a video about her quote unquote struggle with sexual sin or oh, yeah. sexual temptation or something like that. Um, and I clicked on it hoping for a nuanced discussion of what I assume are real issues for Christians that don't want to have sex before they're married. You know, like we say, if you are a Christian and you're like, I'm a Christian, I don't want to have sex before I'm married because the Bible tells me so. That is your prerogative. And I am never going to tell you that that's the wrong choice for you. But basically it's her saying that it sucked and that she spent her twenties super thirsty and she couldn't do anything about it because she wasn't married. Yeah, her solution for how to deal with sexual temptation before marriage was was pretty much read your Bible, pray more, don't think about it, don't watch movies, shame yourself as hard as you can. Uh, and if you do slip up and masturbate, you've got to tell your parents about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is that it does seem like a good deterrent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, can you imagine? Oh. Can you imagine like going into your parents and saying, mom, dad, <laughs> we, need, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, and they'd be like, we know we wash your sheets. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, this sort of thing, I, I don't know. Um. Uh, because they're more likely to use the word girl than they are to use the word woman. And they're in their thirties, but they dress very young. That's the thing. They dress like they're teenagers almost. Cause that's clearly their target audience. Like the sort of like 14 to 25 year old demographic women and girls, you know, people who haven't gotten married yet, but who view getting married as the most consequential thing 
that they could like ever achieve in their life. And I find this really disturbing because, you know, these women are really big on chastity. Like they talk about it all the time. It's all they talk about. And far be it from me, you know, to be telling any young woman what she should or shouldn't be doing sexually. Uh, but it seems really, really off for any adult to be telling teenagers what they should like, what specifically they should and shouldn't feel comfortable with and what they should or shouldn't be doing. I don't know. It, that really rubs me the wrong way. So for one thing, as far as the way they dress, the infantilization of women is is a huge problem within certain parts of the church. And this is a very blatant example of that. But also, you're right on the other thing as well. Like they these are adults with husbands like whole ass husbands yeah it, it, it is very weird for them to be sticking their nose into some teenager's sex life no no like i mean it feels really intentional though like i beth i don't know bethany there's something with her where it feels like she's trying to act way younger than she actually is like Kristen, not so much uh, but Bethany especially. And I don't know, like the way she dresses very young and every picture of her, she's making this same sort of like silly face that you'd expect to see like a teenage girl make when she's taking a super innocent selfie with her friends or like a stock photo in like a Lens End catalog. I don't know. It's super disconcerting to look at. See, I'm not sure um, if this is caused by women being treated like helpless babies within the church. Or if this is Bethany trying to relate to her mostly teenage audience, but it's, I'd say it's probably a bit of both. It's weird. Yeah. It, oh, it is definitely weird. It, it's weird to see a fully grown adult woman infantilizing herself, acting like a teenager, especially when she herself has a child. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is something that I saw a lot within the IFB as well. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, sure. Um. Yeah, go for it. So- Women in general were portrayed in a very sexist way. So growing up, I heard a lot of jokes about women not being able to drive well or hating your mother-in-law or women burning dinner or like not being able to plunge a toilet or change a tire. Like really, really, really standard 60s sitcom sexist Aww. stuff. Just like, like standard, boring. Um, women are considered to be, within the IFB, helpless and slightly brainless. So while it's standard fare for IFB pastors to address women in the congregation as like whores or heifers. Wait, wait, whores and heifers. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Whores and heifers. That's the thing that IFB preachers call women in the congregation sometimes. Um, like in church from behind the pulpit? Yeah. Um, the fuck? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of IFB preachers have moved away from that. I mean, like, I certainly, my dad would never address a lady that way, ever. Um, Just got to get that out there. Oh, yeah. But a lot of IFB preachers find this acceptable. I mean, that's a bit obscene, though. Like, and that's really, really degrading. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's, the IFB is degrading to women all the time. But this is a way that I did not expect them. This is, so, like, this is just another example of, like, institutionalized degradation and humiliation. And it's it's a form it's a form of control and it's a form of mind control more than anything else. Uh, anyway, so they they will call you like whores and heifers, but they'll also address grown women like mothers and grandmothers as girls. 
I mean, I'm sure a psychologist would have a lot to say about the Madonna whore complex going on in the, the IFB as a whole. Yeah. But aside from really standard, like, sexist shit, women are also very infantilized by some of the dress standards and the dress styles. So when, specifically when Jack Scott was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond and the chancellor of Hiles Anderson College, he enforced a little bit more than I think Jack Hiles ever did his own likes and dislikes upon the dress standards for women, which looking back is creepy. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we talked about this before. Right. But like he, he kind of he enforced his own preference, I think, more than most IFB preachers do. So he had people wearing like bright colors, zebra print, high heels with like bows on like, you know, like like Lady Gaga shoes, but make it slightly, you know, walkable. Um, lots of lace, like chunky costume jewelry, bright, like bright colored neon. Super 80s. Yeah. And, and perhaps most interesting of all, speaking of the 80s, at the time I was at Hiles Anderson, it was common for staff wives to wear large hair bows. I mean, like a 50-year-old woman in a hair bow half the size of her head. Now, at the time, so those were in style, at least within the IFB. Those were in style at the time for like 15 to 20-year-old women. But it was so ridiculous seeing some of these more mature women try to wear them. Like full-on Shirley Temple. Yeah. I mean, these are women in leadership position. I mean, like Cindy Scott used to do this. Can you imagine... Like Kamala Harris or Angela Merkel in a giant hair bow. Not in the slightest. And that is a very strange picture that this I just a got. Weird <laughs> mental image because it doesn't because that's not like what it professional that's not what professional women who are in leadership roles do. No, like well, sexual abuse of children was very prevalent in the IFB. I don't know. Like, so do you think that this sort of thing may have been a way to, I don't know, like blur the lines between children and adults with regards to women being sexually available? You know, I really don't want to think about that in depth, uh, but I, I can't say. That's it. where my mind went to. <laughs> I mean, I can't say it doesn't make sense because another thing is you will hear women and children grouped together a lot in sermons. So it'll be like men be good leaders, women and children be good followers. So how is it that Bethany and uh, Kristen have their own quote-unquote ministry if they are women? Well, they're only ministering to other women, so that's allowed. Um, of course, Girl Defined is from a very conservative type of Christianity, but they aren't actually IFB. So just like they're allowed to wear pants, um, even though they have some modesty rules, they get a little more wiggle room on the the women having a voice thing. Yeah, so I suppose that the sin of vanity may like might be a little bit less stressed with you know girl defined because I see them posting on Instagram constantly. Like, so they do like to say that they are all about modesty. But then again, like posting a lot of pictures of yourself and your coffee order and your outfits, like I don't know if you're defining modesty as only as, as staying covered up in your clothing, sure, but a, a more correct definition of modesty wouldn't really allow for that. Um, they also had they had a whole series. Speaking of modest clothing, they had a whole series of articles about it years ago when they were just starting their brand and starting their website. But and they even published a book, I think, about modest clothing 
But you can now find them wearing a lot of things that they said were bad back then. So all of this to say they're pretty good at breaking their own rules. But like we were talking, so we were talking about with narcissism. Bethany got married in October of 2018. If you look at her Instagram, she's posting wedding pictures until April of 2019, like six months of wedding pictures. Like if, so if you're my friend in real life, I want to tell you there is a one month window. You get married. You have one month to post wedding pictures after that. If you keep posting wedding pictures, it is absolutely trife. Okay, dude, I don't mean to call you out, but you have clearly never planned a wedding. Um, nope. <laughs> are you not? Are you aware? I'm that very single, ladies. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, listen, a lot of people don't get their pictures back from the photographer until more than a month after the wedding date. Okay, so. You get the okay, okay, so then let me revise what I said. Okay. You get the initial wedding photo dump, then there's a one month window from then. And then and in that one month window, you're allowed to post wedding photos as much as you want. And then after that, it's birthdays, anniversary, that's it. Six months of posting your wedding pictures is absolutely trife. And yes, I know this is a base take, but I 100% believe it with conviction. Okay, so I have less problems with that. I think one month from when you get them, and then anniversaries and birthdays from there on out, I can agree with that. I think your six-month anniversary, not every six months, like like a year and a half or five and a half, but like, you know, you're, you're the first time you pass six-month anniversary. I think that's I'm good also with fun. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we come, we've come to an agreement. Yeah. Good. Like if, if you look at this, it's like this woman's Instagram is literally wedding photos for constant, like constantly for six months. And then there's so many of them, which I guess, <laughs> like, I guess that makes sense if getting married is the number one biggest aspiration that you can have in your life. But, and like everything else that you could possibly do with your whole life pales in comparison. I mean, that is very much how they treat marriage. You probably noticed that most of their content is about dating, about marriage, about how to find a husband, or what to do in what they call a season of singleness while waiting for a husband. Yeah. So like literally all of their content is about dating and marriage and what's okay to do and what's not okay to do before you're married. Yeah. Being married and having children is the goal of life for these people. And this has caused some conflict between the sisters. Um, it's subtle, but you will kind of hear them make snide remarks at each other if you know what you're listening for. Oh, I definitely heard them make oh, snide it's remarks fun. at each other. Okay, so Kristen, um, Kristen married really young, like early early 20s, uh, but she's never been able to have children. So infertility is, is her cross to bear. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, she seems to really that's struggle what, with If that's it. what you want with your life, you know, ugh. Yeah, and that, that's, it, that's, that's, that's difficult for lots of people. I can't imagine how hard that would be for somebody who has built their identity on being able to bear children and be a mother. Huh. Mm. Um, so so that's, that's a, a legitimate struggle. So Bethany, when Bethany went with Kristen to her bridal appointment to like try on wedding dresses, Bethany saw a wedding dress that she loved. So she decided to buy a wedding dress at her sister's wedding dress appointment. <laughs> So that's pretty tacky. Um, and then Bethany didn't get married until she was like 30 or almost 30. So there's a whole thing about 
Bethany trying to so by the time Bethany was like 30 and got married, she didn't like the original wedding dress that she picked anymore because it was it was very much like a like a sparkly princess dress, which is totally fine if that's what you want. But she she had outgrown the dress, outmatured the dress by the time she wanted to actually get married. So she tried to sell the wedding dress on Poshmark. And then she couldn't sell it, so she kept reducing the price. And there's a whole thing about I just want to say I'm on Poshmark all the time. Like Bethany has like a whole store on there. Really? I'll have to check. I mean, I probably would not buy any. Like, why would I buy anything that she was selling? But so anyway, the 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 thing is that Bethany was jealous. The assumption the ministry is not allowing her to make enough money, so she's got to sell all her old clothes on Poshmark. So the assumption is, though, that Bethany was jealous of Kristen being married for all those years. But then when Bethany finally got married, uh, she was immediately able to have a baby. So now people think that Kristen is jealous of Bethany because she was able to have a baby. Well, so I'm not one to make fun of somebody's infertility. Oh, no, not that's not my intention at all. Uh, It's a huge struggle for a lot of people. Certainly nobody's fault. A lot of people don't want to talk about it either. It's like very stigmatized. Right. And like the this is not something that anybody should be blamed or made fun of for. People do think my only point with all this is that um, Bethany's wedding dress story is funny as hell. Uh, and also <laughs> that these issues are causing cracks in the girl defined facade. Like you can definitely see something in their body language that like there's something off between the two sisters. Yeah, like I so I noticed that in a lot of videos. Like Kristen would make some really snide remarks to her, just like offhanded comments. And maybe individually they don't seem like anything, but like between siblings, you know that you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg here. Yeah. Like this is how they behave in public. How do they behave in private? Yeah. So so people tend to wonder that between the recycled and regurgitated content. And the clear rift that's growing between the sisters, as well as the over-the-top pleas for donations all the time, it, it really makes people wonder how much longer Girl Defined is going to make it in its current form. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, imagine being unable to have kids and then basically running a media company where you tell young women that it's their entire purpose in life to have kids. Like, that has got to yeah. be one of the most soul crushing experiences like it's no wonder that there's going to be this kind of tension like i mean i remember a few months ago i didn't have any idea who these girl defined people were you sent me a video and this was the, like the first time that i'd see it. it was uh some it was a famous drag queen reacting to their makeup tutorial and one of the things that this drag queen pointed out was that these sisters were just throwing barbs back and forth at each other um yeah and that video by the way was awesome <laughs> Yeah, okay, let it be known that um, I want a drag queen to react to literally everything that I do in my life, even if she's totally roasting me. I find that hilarious. So I have a cousin who's a drag queen, and then I think we also have some listeners who do drag as well. So oh. maybe between <laughs> that, fun. we can work out you getting a personal drag queen snarker. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah uh, Trixie Mattel was not a big fan of the Girl Defined team's makeup, <laughs> nor was she a fan of their snarkiness to each other. Yeah, any drag queen listeners that we have, please feel free to snark on us all you want. I don't mind. 
<laughs> in fact, okay, this goes out to all of our – so if you are a drag queen and you were raised IFB or in a similar fundamentalist group, please get in touch with us because we would love to interview you. That that sounds that sounds so fun. That sounds unbelievably fun. But anyway, this this video where that Trixie was reacting to was something like how to do makeup in a way that is honoring God. And this is sort of like a microcosm. I think we mentioned it earlier, but this is sort of like a microcosm of everything that this YouTube channel is. Like they talk about like like basically here's how the video goes. They're like, I used to do makeup like this, but it didn't look very good. So I wanted to know what God said about makeup. And then they read some Bible verse about modesty and then showed like off their makeup bag and threw some like very like snide comments back and forth. It was a little bit uncomfortable um, to watch them say these things about each other. And I don't know anything about makeup. Clearly Trixie Mattel knows a lot about makeup and said some things that sounded very snide, but I can't attest to whether or not they were true. Um, but I don't know that that was interesting to me, but I think the part here is so there's part that says, uh, Kristen says, when we are reading scripture, we are looking for black and white, hard and fast rules. Like sex before your marriage is not allowed, but makeup is more of a gray area. And it seemed odd to me. Like this, this is what she said in the beginning of the video. It seemed odd to me that if you ask her, what's the first thing that you can think of that's not allowed in the Bible? She doesn't say, do not murder or do not steal or do not practice idolatry. She says, don't have sex before you're married. And I think it just goes to show where their heads are at. Like they spend all their time thinking about sex, sex, sex. Everything is sex. Everything is sexual. You will wear this. It's too modest. Uh, you, you can't wear this. Uh, you know, too sexual. You dance. Dancing promotes promiscuity. You know, everything is sex, 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 sexual repression. And it's like that is all of their content. And they're just like, don't have sex. Don't have sex in a makeup video. It's so weird. I mean, why? It, it is. I think that that most, you know, when we think of what is the most important, I mean, Jesus said the most important commandment is is love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, um, which is a pretty decent commandment, really. Um, but a lot of people would also think of don't, you know, do not kill being yeah. a real, real important commandment. So, like, if you're ranking commandments, I'd I'd say you know, do not murder. kill goes yeah, it goes uh, up, up there, up towards the top. Yeah, you know, generally, and be kind to other people. <laughs> but no, so so this is here's my take on why everything is about don't have sex. So I think it all goes back to the bite model, because. This is back to episode one, people. Because because think about it. Uh, most people don't really have the urge to murder people. No. I mean, you might, you know, you might occasionally think like, you know, like Homer Simpson strangling Bart, you know, why are you little? Yeah. But like nobody actually, very few people actually desire to actually murder another human being. But sexual behavior is a strong instinct that most adults have. It's the evolutionary need to procreate and the need to have closeness with another person that's an incredibly strong instinct and it takes a lot of effort to bring that under control but if you can completely sexually control someone you've got a hold of something that's naturally on the mind of most adult humans 
So every time that they have any kind of sexual thought, it's going to go back to your church or your religion or, you, you know, you being controlling them. Also, you've gotten something very intimate, like you've gotten control of something that is not usually given up control of. No. So for multiple reasons, if you if you can sexually control someone, you've got a lot of power over them. So that's something that a lot of cults attempt to do. You can even find like non-religious or non-Christianity-based cults. Sexual control is a very common factor in a lot of cults. Um, I think it's it's just a very powerful tool of control. So uh, at some point, I'll dig a little deeper into the psychology of why fundamentalists are so sex-obsessed. But, but my basic thought, I think it's because of the bite model. On that note, it's time for us to take a break. Uh, we're going to take up the offering, but we will be back. And you'll want to stay tuned to this because this is where things are about to go real off the rails real fast here. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Sadie. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode one, where we start the whole story. You might also want to check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism. If you like the show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really do appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. So we are back. And in the first half of the episode, we introduced Bethany and Kristen, two sisters who are content creators on Instagram, YouTube. They have a podcast. They do Christian fundamentalism and rigid gender roles related content for teenage girls and young women. But this story goes from zero to a hundred real fast here and not in a great way. We really don't do this on purpose. Really. It's just that there's always a dark side of the story. Yeah. So... In October of 2019, Bethany and her husband go on a vacation to a town in Austria where Bethany and Kristen's family emigrated from. It's a town called uh, Salfalden. It's in northwest Austria. 
It's not far from the border with Germany. Uh, it's close to Salzburg. It's probably about 100 kilometers from Munich and Bavaria. Uh, it looks like a lovely place. It's very green. There's white snowy mountain peaks. Um, you know, it looks like the type of place that I would personally love to go on vacation to. I'd love to visit. Um, Bethany posts a loving tribute to her family's history and a photo of her and her new husband at the grave of her great grandfather, who was the mayor of Salfalden. Oh, mayor. Like, that sounds pretty cool. When was her great-grandfather the mayor? Um, Let me check. From, from 1938 to 1945. Oh. Yeah. So that's a rough time to be a mayor of a town in Austria. I'm hoping you have, like, some documentation of him trying to resist the Nazis or, like, uh, trying to help people escape. Anything nice? He was the mayor that the Germans installed during the Anschluss, which was the the annexation of Austria by the Nazis that we saw in you know, like you guys have all seen Sound of Music, right? Oh yeah, of course. All, you've all seen the Sound Fundies have seen Sound of Music. I can promise you that. Yeah, everybody's seen Sound of Music. So like the German, like they were in Austria in that in that uh, 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 musical, the Von Trapp family. They were Austrians. They were trying to get the, the Germans basically came in and said, okay, well, we're going to, you know, take over. They were trying to get uh, the Von Trapp dad to join the Nazis and he didn't want to. Yeah. Like that's, that's what that's a bit. But this was a guy who's like, this is yeah, the guy I'm going to join the Nazis. Into power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's not good. This is the guy that they put. So the exact quote from her Instagram is uh, uh and i'm quoting here we had the opportunity to visit some world war ii sites it's always sobering experiencing or that's weird syntax it's always sobering experiencing to think through all that happened during that time okay that that sentence okay i'm bothered by that but okay now okay i'm back to quoting them now get this with so she says uh with family that lived in Austria and were directly impacted by the war, I have a special interest in learning what they went through. So in a huh. blog post, yeah. So in a blog post, Bethany recounts how her grandmother told stories. And I quote, um, she grew up during the days of Hitler and even watched her father get arrested and taken away as a prisoner of war. And I guess she isn't technically lying. But what she didn't say is who took him prisoner. So I'm oh. pretty sure it was the Americans who took her great-grandfather prisoner. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, like, whenever I read things like this, I always try to think, okay, well, maybe this person was working behind the scenes you know because i'm always trying to find the good guys you know examples of humanity within the depravity and the genocide i mean i do the same thing i don't ever want to just assume that that somebody was a nazi or something else terrible without at least a little bit of cursory research to see if it looks likely that they really were yeah, and who knows this, like, for all we know, like, when I first hear about something, I'm like, oh, this could have been like a hiding place situation. Like you told me with that book where uh -huh. that lady was trying to, you know, protect people. Uh, but like, of course, like the word Nazi is thrown around a lot these days. 
by people who really do not understand the implications of what they're saying. People call each other Nazis on the internet for fucking any political disagreement, like Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. It's degrading to the gravity of the atrocities that that regime committed, and it has to stop. I mean, calling somebody a Nazi is one of the worst things that you can say about somebody. I agree. That should be reserved for people who are, you know, violent white supremacists and members of the Nazi party, like not just people that you hate on the internet. They're a lot better. I mean, call them a carpetbagger. I'm Southern. I'm giving you permission to use that term. Yeah. And like Nazism is a very specific subset of white supremacy. Like not all white supremacists are Nazis. They're usually like very close in ideology but nazi all nazis are white supremacists but not all white supremacists are nazis so i did a bit of a dig into this guy this guy's name was johann grosslercher um i think i'm saying that yeah johann grosslercher nice job is it gross no there's no umlaut so there's it's not gross it's grosslercher um he was born in 1896 and he was a nazi party member in 1924 during the time when it was illegal to be a Nazi. Oh so this was in the early days of the movement. This is when this guy was in on the ground floor. This guy was arrested for being a Nazi more than once in the year 1934. So he'd been a Nazi for at least 10 years at the time that he was arrested. Like this guy was a true believer. I'm absolutely certain that this guy owned a copy of Mein Kampf. Wow. Okay. So it would be a real stretch to say that this was just some guy who like got caught up in the Nazi way and didn't realize until later how wrong he was. Yeah. Like, this isn't some dude who just got like strong armed into the Nazi party or forced to participate or something. No, this is a guy who spent more than two decades of his life as a willing member of the Nazi party. This guy was a true believer. So fast forward to 1938, Germany and Italy are building up their military. Then comes the Anschluss, which uh, so Germany annexes Austria. This is before the whole never Chamberlain gives uh, Hitler half of che- Czechoslovakia thing. Before that, the Nazis basically marched across Austria, absorbed it with little, if any, resistance, and then installed their preferred puppets as local leaders. Um, I presume as a reward for past service and loyalty. So in order to be installed as a mayor during this time, you had to be all the way in. I mean, this sounds kind of like the equivalent of Jack Hiles making you a high-level staff member at First Baptist Church of Hammond. Like, you have to be somebody who's who's sold out and ready to stand by the organization and stand by the leader no matter what. Yeah, like, same sort of thing. Although I would never compare Jack Hiles to the Nazis. You know, he may have been evil, but these things just can't be compared. Now... Under the policies known as the Aryanization of Austria, um, in Saalfalden, eight Jewish families that we know of had their homes and businesses confiscated. And we know of at least one couple that was deported to the Dacha, that that concentration camp. Kristen and Bethany's great-grandfather is one of many people who is personally responsible for the injustices and atrocities committed under the Nazi regime against the Jews. He was an active participant in the genocide. Okay. I mean, of course, Christian and Bethany aren't responsible for what their their great-grandfather did. Of course not. Oh, no, 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 of course not. That's not what I'm insinuating here. Right. 
But it does seem at best tacky and at worst highly suspicious that they would post about honoring, specifically honoring this ancestor when it's really easy to find out that this ancestor was an actual literal Nazi. Yeah. I mean, tacky is putting it likely. Tacky is what I would describe. Tacky is how I would describe their very reasonably priced merchandise selection. Although I'm not going to pretend like everybody I've ever been descended from is a great person. I mean, these these girls, I mean, there has to be just a shadow of a chance that they were just told by a grandparent that their ancestor was on the good side and that they just choose to believe that and then not challenge that belief. That's still, it's kind of foolish, but it would it would fit their personalities. If they were told one thing about their ancestor, that they would kind of just go into denial mode and not really look it up. Oh, because there's so much shame. Also, I would point out that between the two of them, it seems that Kristen is the one that got the share of self-awareness. And it seems like she's not really touching this stuff. She's not really like posting about this. It's all been Bethany. And I mean, I know Germans. I know Germans in real life. Yeah. Um, and in my experience, the Germans that I know are far less anti-Semitic than like most Americans that I know, you know, because they've been made to learn from an early age how evil the Nazi regime really was. And although like whenever I do meet a German, this is uh, whenever I do meet a German, I usually ask them as a joke if they've got any family in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to explain what you mean by family in argentina yeah oh yeah 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 so like after the war lots of nazis escaped to argentina with fake passports or by pretending to be war refugees including adolf eichmann who is the architect of the holocaust actually if you want to hear a crazy story look up what happened to adolf eichmann after the war because he escaped to argentina with a fake passport and the americans knew he was there but really didn't care and didn't do anything so Mossad was able to track him down, arrest him, bring him to Israel, and make him stand trial. And to this day, he is the only person ever to be given a death sentence in the history of the of the modern state of Israel. It's a crazy story. They made a movie about it. Anyway, speaking of Nazis surviving the war, Kristen and Bethany's great-grandfather, who was an active participant in the genocide of Jews during the Holocaust, lived in the same house in the same town until he died at the ripe old age of 98. And Bethany posts on Instagram how cute it is that his house is still in the family, which I find to be ironic since he confiscated the property of Jews who lived in his town. Yikes. Yeah. Real scumbag here. Right. And it's so easy. Like it wasn't, that hard for you to turn up this information no apparently. i just i literally googled this guy i mean i had to you know use google translate on some pages that are in german because my german is not very <sighs> good um i i can understand basic stuff but I, I but like some things i really needed to yeah that's just so tasteless absolute lack of self-awareness like, whatsoever right. like if like if you remove the idea that bethany is could be some kind of have you know have some white supremacist views yeah even if you don't allow for that option at all this is still just so incredibly tasteless and 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 impolite <laughs> um <laughs> i mean so i can understand though like i can understand Kristen and bethany wanting to hide things that their ancestors have done 
So I come from, you know, my ancestry is mostly um, immigrants, like sharecroppers, middle class people um, in the South, like like journalists and store owners. Um, so not a lot of my ancestors were slaveholders that I can find out about. Um, f- fewer than 10% of my ancestors for sure. I do, however, have quite a few ancestors who fought for the Confederacy. Yeah. So one of them was named Henry Kenshin Godwin, and he and his son, William Barnabas Godwin, fought in Georgia. And they actually have a Confederate monument to them and their unit in Georgia because they're they're mentioned because they were a father and son who fought in the same unit. And that's kind of a, an interesting trivia item. I just think, like, if I visited the battleground in Georgia where their monument is and I took a picture by their monument and I posted it on social media, I think my caption would be more – Would it, I, I don't think it would be appropriate no. to talk <laughs> about learning what they went through. <laughs> like, I think it would be more appropriate if I was going to put that on social media, which I probably wouldn't. But I think it would be more appropriate to talk about, like, the actual interesting part of the story, how – a father and son fought in the same unit. Like it's an illustration of how people can be so sincerely committed to something that's not correct. Yeah, something that's very clearly wrong. Right, but but yeah, but but it, my, my caption would be about that. Yeah, not about learning what they went through. Yeah, I'm trying to just like avoid the nasty parts. Like the way that she phrased it, it's clear that there's some stuff she knows about that she's leaving out. And like, right, like I'm not going to talk about like my Godwin ancestors, like they uh, were unless the I'm greatest people in the world. Because yeah, no, like right, like I'm going to talk about like the truth of what I what I know about them and like what that illustrates, like what we can learn from that. Yeah, I mean, lots of people in America have Confederate ancestry, and that doesn't make them racist. I mean, like the I, you know, that doesn't make the people who are descended from the Confederates like the the Confederacy is super racist. I want to note to our listeners that uh, the. Civil War, slavery, Confederacy, and Reconstruction, that's on our future list of topics that we're going we're gonna to talk about that at some point. Um, but I was going to ask you how old you were when you figured this out. Like when – like you knew from the start that you had Confederate ancestry. How old were you when you – and how did it feel when you realized that – Oh, maybe the thing that my ancestors were involved in was not something that we should be glorifying. See, I don't think I was ever raised to glorify the struggle of the South or or the really? the the actual people. Not by not within my family. No. Because but I I think it was more um honoring like my ancestors as people, but not like what they did. I don't know if that, huh. that that I don't know if that distinction makes any sense. My perception of this has changed a lot over the years, though, and it's changed. You know, it, it's a kind of an uh, an ever evolving thing as I learn. I think the biggest turning point, though, I read Gone with the Wind, and then directly when I finished Gone with the Wind, I read Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, which is if you ever want a, a real interesting combination of two books to read right after each other, there's one. Um, I think I was about 16 or 17 at the time, and I won't have time to get into deep detail here, but basically these two books both show a very a very biased view of the Confederate South from opposite directions. I think I started allowing myself to gather biased viewpoints 
and then consider where in the middle the truth might be. And that made things a lot clearer for me, especially the the beautiful and poetic way that Southern culture was portrayed in Gone with the Wind. But that led me to do more research. And through doing more research, I was able to learn a lot more than my ACE history books taught me about the, <laughs> the realities of slavery. And in the end, it, it all of this comes together for me, that there are parts of Southern culture that I will always keep. You know, Southern hospitality and the, the slightly old-fashioned etiquette rules that I grew up with, like the the funeral traditions and like there's a whole code of etiquette for children's ages and what is appropriate for them to wear to a wedding or a funeral. It's like if you're under six, it's this. And if you're under 12, it's this. And if you're under 18, it's this other thing. Huh. And like understanding that like old fashioned etiquette rules is super important to me. And I'd, I would never want to get rid of that part of my heritage, like you know, sweet tea and cultural foods and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But I also feel like it is it is actually wrong for me to have and enjoy even those innocent things without recognizing the evil that was perpetuated by that culture at a time in the past. And it's it is right for me to enjoy those things that are my cultural heritage only if I am an active participant in making sure that the that the wounds of the past are healed and that nothing could ever nothing like slavery could ever happen again. Yeah. Like I get those things, but only if I'm actively working against the bad part. Right. See, it seems to me like like Bethany just wants to just uh, she she just sees it. She's like no, 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 no. I feel like she just wants to take like her cultural heritage. Yeah. And be like this is mine. But she doesn't want to do the other half of that of denouncing the parts that were evil or acknowledge like she'll she'll acknowledge but she won't acknowledge the the what her family let's see this reminds me of a story that uh so a few months ago i got really curious about my family history and i asked my dad so dad what's the name of the town that your grandparents came from because we weren't sure whether it was in russia or it was in ukraine or it was in uh bielorussia which is uh known as belarus uh and so he's like, I'll ask my cousin because uh, his cousin knows more about that than he does. Because they came to the United States as Jewish immigrants in, uh, I think, 1914 to escape persecution under the Russian Empire. So, you know, they would have pogroms, which was basically essentially uh, the Russians would uh, go up to the Jewish shtetls or the Jewish neighborhoods and in, in towns and beat people up, kill people, smash businesses, burn buildings, that sort of thing. Um, it was really pretty common in the 1880s up until the Russian Revolution. So he tells me the name of the town. I'm not sure how it's spelled because if you translate something from Cyrillic letters, you can get multiple different spellings of the same word. So eventually I tracked down this town. It's a place called Klintsy. It's in Russia. It's like in the far west of Russia. So it's probably about 20 kilometers from the border with Belarus, uh, 20 kilometers from the border with Ukraine. So I think, oh, that's nice. I wonder if there's a good Jewish community there. So I Google Clintsy Jewish. The first link that pops up on Google was a link to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. <laughs> 
So I'm gonna oh, I'm just gonna read what it said. Uh, trigger warning: If you don't want to hear about the Holocaust, uh, maybe skip the next minute or so. And so th- I'm I'm reading what it says there. So it says Jews were living in Clincy by the first half of the 18th century. The number of Jews in the town increased significantly due to the migration of Jewish refugees from Warsaw and Lutz during World War One. Under Soviet rule, many Jews were employed in local textile production. During the same period, the town had a Yiddish school and a Yiddish school for adults. In 1939, Clincy's 6,500 Jews comprised 16% of the total population. German troops occupied the town on August 20th, 1941. By this time, over half of Clincy's Jews had managed to flee or were evacuated into Soviet interior. Immediately after the onset of the occupation, a Judenrat, which is a Jewish council, basically the Jews who are put in charge uh, in place to, to by the Nazis to keep order. A Judenrat was established in Clincy and all the Jews were registered. German reports note that in night. In September 1941, 165 Jews were shot to death. A short time later, in either September or early October, a ghetto was established in the area of Bani. I don't know, there must be a neighborhood. On October 6th to 7th, 1941, the Germans conducted a large-scale operation in Bani, which about 3,000 residents of the ghetto were shot to death. About 150 Jewish professionals who had been spared during the murder operation were forced to work for the Germans. Between 150 and 300 remaining Jews and about 30, that's not a word, Romani, were murdered in March 1942. The last 50 Jews in Clincy were murdered in April 1942. Clincy was liberated by the Red Army on September 25th, 1943. (laughs) So that's over 3,000 people dead. Yes. Over 3,000 Jews were murdered uh, in the town where my great-grandparents came from. Yeah, and all the rest fled before the Nazis invaded because they heard, oh, the Nazis are coming. You better better get out. Yeah. (sighs) (sighs) So I don't know if anybody that I was related to was killed by the Nazis. And if if they had, it would be – it wouldn't be anybody that I would know. It would be like third, fourth cousins. But even if they survived, like the entire history of that community, which existed, you know, there, like as you're 16% of the town's population, that's a sizable population, gone. Maybe like if I get a chance to visit Russia in the future when the vaccination goes ahead, maybe I'll get to travel there and see if I can find any like distant cousins or family records or anything. Um, And this is like common in immigrant stories because the community, like communication wasn't as good those days. People lose uh, connection to their ancestry and, you know, their people's history. But I guess that's part of being Jewish and being displaced again and again and again and again over the centuries throughout Europe and through like the Middle East as well. But for me, this goes deeper than, oh, her great grandfather was a Nazi and she didn't address this particularly well. I mean, I think there's there's a clear line between for one she didn't address it very well because she didn't address it at all even though surely she knew that not addressing it really makes her look like a nazi sympathizer yeah and even if you're not this is the sort of thing that makes you look like one 
But this is like a thing that influencers should understand, yes. right? Yes, yes, like yes, 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 yes. Marketing and publicity is the – like influencer is a real job in the world that we live in. But like it's it's basically a I freelance marketing. I hate that that's marketing. true, but it's true. Well, it's what it is is it's a freelance marketing and PR representative for yourself. A lot of people who try to do it just aren't good at it. They're just like, oh, I'm hot. Let me right. go on the internet and people and tell people to buy stuff. Right. And their brains are full of air and they don't like know what it is they're doing and they're saying. Right. Yeah. Ain't the thing. But like people who are marketing and PR professionals should understand that there are things that if you don't address it, it makes you look bad. Yeah. Regardless of your intention. Yeah. I mean, this could like... You know, even if you're not a Nazi sympathizer, this is the sort of thing that makes you look like one. So, you, like, you and I understand that whether or not somebody is a good person is not something that is going to be determined by their bloodline. You being a good person is not determined by who your ancestors were, you know, ones that lived many, many years ago. Right. Just like I said before, I think that for those of us whose whose heritage includes oppressors, there's a responsibility on us to actively work to undo that. Yeah. Like, I'm not ashamed that I have Confederate ancestors because I have no reason to be ashamed of that. Those people were born 175 years before I was born. And they fought in a, a war that was 150 years almost before I was born. Like, I obviously can't change or influence anything that they did. I, it's not my responsibility what they did. It is my responsibility, though, to understand that they did things that changed the world for the worse, and they caused personal harm to some people. Like I don't have to walk around just feeling guilty all the time for what they did because I didn't do it. No. But I did benefit from the fruits of what they did, and I do continually benefit from white privilege. So it's not my responsibility to mope around feeling bad. Uh, or to feel like I have to erase that part of myself. It's just my responsibility to make sure that I'm actively anti-racist, to make sure that my kids are anti-racist, and like use my privilege to help others. But I feel like Bethany and Kristen, like they they aren't even at the point of like needing to understand that they need to like use their privilege for good. They just want to. They I feel like they just don't want to take that responsibility at all. No. And I wouldn't judge Bethany and Kristen by their great grandfather being a Nazi any more than I would judge you for your Confederate ancestry. But for a lot of people, and like so myself included, as a Jewish man, and you as a child of the South, like you said earlier, our cultural heritage is a really major and powerful piece of our identity. And we both know that this is true for our friend Bethany. And I'll give you an example here. Like if you look at her first Instagram post of 2021, um, it's just some like happy new year. I love Jesus stuff uh, or something like that. And it's a picture of her, but she's wearing a long sleeve t-shirt that looks like, like a college t-shirt. But if you have a keen eye, you'll be able to spot this because it's a bit wrinkled, but it says Austrian pride on it. And so for mm -hmm. our American listeners, you know, he, like, in the U.S., we wouldn't think that it would be weird at all for somebody to be wearing a USA Pride t-shirt. Like, maybe it's a bit tacky, but it's not out of the ordinary. Um, because, you know, you uh, World War II especially, a lot of European countries 
Germany and Austria in particular, there is a de-emphasis on nationalism. So seeing somebody wear this shirt would be very strange uh, and almost certainly mean that they are extremely far right, possibly a neo-Nazi type. Although being a neo-Nazi is literally illegal in this country. But like that would be if they were like German or Austrian. So for her, just an American, she's like, oh, I'm Austrian. Let me celebrate my Austrian heritage the same way I celebrate being an American. Like she doesn't get that. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that after World War II, countries like Austria and Germany have it's it's been very purposeful to try to move away from any kind of nationalism. Yeah, like a preventative measure. Like we don't want this to happen again. Okay, I didn't think about the historical context of that before, but with that in mind, it's a little odd that this shirt even ever was printed because she says that it was printed in Austria. So that's a little weird. Oh, she does? Oh. Yeah. I didn't see that. And anyway, like never again was the saying, but like in America, we were on the winning side of the war. And because we were basically the only major industrial power that did not have our entire infrastructure demolished by a war, it's like we got the license to engage in gross displays of nationalism without any consequences. So like you get this sort of like American flag is an aesthetic patriotism is my whole identity type people. You know, the, the ones that will sing the team America song like the America f- yeah song, but like 100% unironically <laughs> and post like paintings online of George Washington with an M16 flying on the back of a ball. You know what I'm talking about? People who are just like, yeah, America is my personality. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm friends, Facebook friends with, with a few of those people. Um, So in America, in the South, and I'm not sure if this is something, I don't know how aware of this you would even be. In the South, um, at least within the last few years, this may have changed more recently. But there's a point like within my memory where you could just walk into any Walmart and buy a Confederate flag t-shirt, Confederate flag bikini, coffee mug, whatever, like, anything that you want i don't know if that's i don't know if walmart corporate has like changed that i think walmart removed those since last like a couple years ago it seems like something i've heard about recently but like that's something within my memory and i don't know if that would be something you've ever seen like with your own actual eyes oh yeah i've I've seen it like not being sold because i don't live in the south but like i've i've seen people wearing them and i've heard people say that like talking to like my german like there's like a section at walmart yeah for like the the mouth breather section um yeah talking to uh, uh, (laughs) i mean what i guess what i guess we're finding out though is like an austrian pride shirt it's not like that. It's not like you could just get it at Walmart. It's a no. specialty item. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you could get it at like a tourist shop, but like, it, it, I don't but know. But it's not like, something that you would just you would just like happen like, oh, I got this at Walmart. Or I got this at Goodwill, or just like I don't know, you know, one of those shirts. It's not like an I Heart NY shirt, you know. Like, it's not like one of those shirts that you don't really remember where it came from, but it's been in your closet for like 15 years. Yeah, like talking to talking to German and Austrian friends that I've got, they said that it is a weird thing to see somebody like wearing that. And this takes me to my next point because, like, say you don't have a strong sense of personal identity and you're the type of person who only sort of thinks about yourself in relation to other people. So sort of like your identity is wife of blank, mother of blank. You don't have a strong sense of identity. 
Uh, because remember, our friend Bethany has spent has basically built an entire persona like around telling young women God intends for you to be a wife and mother, and so being a wife and mother is basically her whole identity. So, if the only identity that you have is that, then like a lot of times you end up falling back on your ancestry as like part of your identity. But then what do you do when you find out that your ancestry includes some really unsavory people? Well, basically what you've got is you've got a bit of a crossroads here. You can either a come to terms with the fact that being a wife and mother isn't literally everything in the world and that you have to find out who you are outside of your relationships with your family. Or B, you can basically just engage in full-on denial that the ancestry is propping up your identity has some extremely troubling bits to it. I mean, I do think, though, I think this could also be potentially tied into the defined by God thing. Mm -hmm. Because the perspective is that God defines you by your gender, um, your parents, your eventual husband and children, your family. So if you're really sold out to that idea, then God also defines you by your Nazi ancestors. And I think this could contribute to why these people don't appear to be bound by any of the sense of responsibility that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, and that definitely plays into it. Like this is ta- this takes me further into my neo-Nazi or, or even regular Nazi rabbit hole because I've spent a lot of times researching – how white supremacists, alt-right, neo-Nazi type groups, Proud Boys, those types of groups recruit and who they target for recruitment. So they primarily target young men who don't have a strong sense of identity, who don't know who they are. They don't have a clear purpose. Maybe they don't have the immediately available resources to make a lot of money. Maybe they just kind of want to play video games and you can... You can just go up to them and you can tell them, you come from a line of Aryan kings, of Nordic kings, and in the ancient world, you would have been a great, great man. But because of race mixing, because of women being liberated, because of Jewish political influence, your throne has been usurped. And it's the Jews who are to blame. It's black people who are to blame. It's women who are to blame. Hmm. And now we've come full circle where we have women like Bethany who are both the victims of this type of thinking and the perpetrators of this type of thinking. Because remember at the beginning when I talked about alt-right memes and I talked about the trad wife. Right. The same extremely gendered expectations of women and the sort of bland, naive, blonde, keeper-at-home aesthetic that is popular among neo-Nazis, alt-right incels, and also Christian fundamentalists. It's, it all kind of runs together. And this is something that I've said on the show before, is that women in this kind of group, in this sort of situation, women are not oppressed without their own active consent. Because it it is that women have been brainwashed into participating in their own oppression. Um, I'm not saying that they that they know or that that leaving or breaking out should be easy in any sort of way. No, but you're told. I am saying that men are not able to oppress women to this extent without recruiting the women themselves to participate in their own oppression. 
Yeah, and this idea of getting women and teenage girls, especially white ones, to believe that being the trad wife, you know, is the only identity for them. It's easier to sneakily indoctrinate them into white supremacy. And, you know, you can maybe not out loud, but subtly suggest that, oh, you need to have a bunch of babies to keep propagating the white race, like we talked about in episode one of our Duggars special. Yeah, I mean, I had even heard from Jack Scop, who is, you know, compared to these people, more mainstream for like an IFB type person, that the the Muslims have had lots of babies on purpose to grow their numbers and that it would be better if all the Christians had lots of babies, too. And I think it's very obvious that some people would take that to mean brown people have too many babies, white people need to keep up, even if that's not what came out of his mouth. I mean, from where I'm standing, that's where that's what came out of his mouth. <laughs> right. Like ideologies are so closely related that I don't think I don't think it's deniable that that is partially at least partially what he meant, um, especially coming from the leader of a church and college, which openly discourages mixed race dating and marriage. And it's, it's not feasible to to just talk women into having six or seven babies. Or more. Like most of us are just not cut out for that. It's easier to, it's not, it's not easy to convince people that that's the right thing. It's easier to make rules and expectations that subjugate women and control women. And those rules also happen to lead to larger families. Yeah, I don't think that Girl Defined is doing this on purpose. But with Bethany's comments regarding the war, her family, I mean, you could see this in action. Like, Girl Defined continues, like, their content continues the cycle. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but, like, do you think that Bethany Beale is a Nazi sympathizer? I, f- I would feel like I was being naive if I said it's not a possibility. I don't think I'd go so far as to say probably. Um, I think I think it's I think the jury's out. Yeah. I do absolutely think that that what is what is what I can say is that she has some philosophies and she has some thought patterns that are directly related to alt-right and neo-Nazi philosophy. What I can't be sure of is whether or not she realizes that. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Would you say would you say that she's a Nazi sympathizer? For me to say somebody is an actual Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer, I personally need to have seen some hard evidence. Like I said earlier, I think that left-wing people uh, especially have been overzealous in their labeling of people as Nazis. Just like, you know, an anti-maskers for some inconceivable reason have got it into their smooth brains that wearing a face mask is the same thing as the Holocaust. Um, yeah, you've seen the memes. Uh <laughs> I I haven't. I wish I hadn't. Yeah, the, pff, fucking idiots. Um, and these comparisons they cheapen the very specific definition. I'll tell you one thing. I combed through her Instagram. I combed through her Twitter and blogs in search for v- uh, specific Nazi iconography, like things like throwing the numbers fourteen and eighty eight around, Nazi acronyms, Nazi codes, Nazi dog whistles buzzwords that show me some intentionality and i couldn't find anything it could be that she's just very good at hiding it uh but i think it's more likely that she has been subtly infected with some of these philosophies by people around her 
and she doesn't realize how close she is to something so despicable. I don't know. Look, so so like an asymptomatic COVID spreader. Yeah. Like she doesn't know that she's infected or like how bad this really is. Yeah. No, speaking of that, didn't they have like a 30 person non-distance no mask party last month? Bethany has been traveling around the country with her infant pretty much constantly during COVID. Um, complaining about mask rules on airplanes and in coffee shops and uh, visiting her one local coffee shop in Texas where cases are terrible that doesn't enforce mask rules. Mm. And yes, there was also a large party last month. They've been having get-togethers pretty much throughout the pandemic as well. Um, Another fun fact, speaking of get-togethers, at the Thanksgiving party, one of the sisters did brownface to dress up as Pocahontas. (sighs) You know, Pocahontas, the native woman who was kidnapped after her family's land was stolen and then she was possibly probably raped and then she also died from poor medical care. Yeah, and literally like painting themselves. Like these girls are whiter than they they are. I think they might be whiter than me, which is really an accomplishment. If you watch their makeup video, they they joke about how white they are, but like them. They might actually be paler than me. Pretty. I mean, but this is exactly the type of nonsense that I would expect from women whose cultish upbringing tells them that they aren't allowed to think. I mean, there's another sister who's moving to Ukraine this month um, to marry a man that she's never kissed and never had sex with and has spent about six weeks total in person with after a year-long, long-distance relationship. (laughs) Wait, so she's going to Ukraine for it? Yep. Let me tell you, my ancestors left that place for a reason. Where's she, where's she going? From? She's going from Texas. Yep. Oh man. Okay. When winter hits, she is in for a rough time. People do not understand how cold it gets there. Like Crimea, which is the furthest, most southern part of Ukraine, is as far north as Portland is. It gets cold there. Like cold like come january average high temperature is like still below freezing her husband is going to be hello my darling you are shivering i do not understand is your adidas tracksuit not warm enough (laughs) speaking speaking of her husband she has apparently made little to no effort to learn ukrainian Anyway, that's just one of the sisters that we don't have. We didn't. We didn't have time to mention in this oh, entire she episode. Doesn't, yet. She doesn't drink either. Maybe her no. husband. Like maybe her husband doesn't understand that. Like that she doesn't because over there they don't consider beer to be alcoholic because it's only five percent. All I will say is that I am going to be watching her Instagram with great interest, and also with a fair amount of concern. I mean, yeah, it's is not vodka. It's water. <laughs> I mean, like, do, okay. Do you know any Ukrainians? Like, like how no. on how on earth is she going to have a social life if she can't drink? I mean, how is she going to have a social life if she can't speak the language? Have okay. Have you ever traveled to a foreign country where you don't speak the language? No. Uh, closest I've ever come is being in certain parts of Chicago, uh, in places where very few people speak English, um, and. On that note, my Spanish is pretty bad, but I'm pretty sure my Spanish is better than Alyssa's Ukrainian. Listen, drinking is far more important for a social life than knowing the language. Like, it, like if you learn to, like if you learn how to toast in a foreign language, you will be fine. Your social life will be fine. There'll be somebody at the bar that has like 
enough broken English to talk to you. You go to the bar, you learn how to say vodka and <laughs> you learn how to say vodka and cheers. You can find friends. But anyway, like she's not part of Girl Defined. So and we've pretty much run out of time here. Yeah, I mean, the 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 the, the Girl Defined there's so much drama that we didn't even get to that's like minuscule and petty. And I think we got the overview out of the way, though. These these people may come back if any of them do anything really wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might have like a Fundy Roundup episode or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these are just the it's first. Time for Fundy Roundup. Come on. What's that from? That is from Toy Story. It's from Toy Story Woody's 2. Roundup, yeah. Toy Story 2. That was a great movie. Um, no, I think these are just the first of several different Christian influencers that we want to talk about over time. Um, I realize this isn't IFB content specifically. It's related, though. It's we talked re- about yeah. IFB. Well, it's related because there's there's the same – a lot of these people have the same foundational beliefs, and these groups of people can feed each other. So it's a it, – it, it, there, there are ties that bind. All of these fringe groups together. Yeah, I don't think it's it's minuscule and petty at all, though. I think it's a bit of like a canary with a, coal, a canary in the coal mine with like regards to Christian fundamentalism and white supremacy. Oh yeah, like I I completely agree. I'm when I say petty, I mean all the little daily things between the sisters, <laughs> um, <laughs> the little snarks at, at each other, uh, which we didn't get into too much because you know we had to talk about the blatant misogyny and the white supremacy. Yeah. Oh, man, Nazis. Fun times. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, until next time, uh, you can, okay, you come back, listen to our episode on Thursday. Uh, it's going to be a homework episode. I don't know what it's going to be because I haven't recorded it yet or assigned it to Sadie. We don't know what it's going to be. Uh, but you should come back and listen to that. It's going to be something fun. Uh, and then next week, we're going to have another episode on Monday. That'll be super good as well. Uh yeah uh follow us on facebook uh instagram twitter you can follow us on uh, facebook instagram at leaving eden podcast on twitter it is at leaving eden pod send us an email please send us emails with your questions join our facebook group but send us an email with your questions your homework episode suggestions to leaving eden pod at gmail.com uh we really want you to send us emails we'll uh so we can uh answer them on air uh sadie do you want to plug your social yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at – wait. You can follow me on Inst- – <laughs> sorry, let me try that She's again. She's so pregnant she can't remember what her own Instagram handle is. I get my Instagram and my and my Twitter mixed up all the time. And <laughs> you know what? For me, it's the same for all of them. I made mine the same for all of them. You should do the same. Yeah. I, I made my Instagram when I was – still not super open about being ex-fundamentalist and I didn't want hell yeah in my Instagram name and that's why they're different okay you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at hell yes Sadie uh, or follow me on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter 1 I talk about cult stuff it's fun yeah and if you like the song that's playing right now you can find it you go to follow me on spotify apple music at g-a-v-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n which is also where you will find me on facebook instagram twitter and until next time we hope you have a lovely day bye-bye
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.